Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talent, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm joined by English language teacher and illustrator Sarah Coggin. Sarah has a a grand idea about helping us gather more confidence in not just learning languages, but the way we use our language to express our creativity, being such a tripwire for a lot of us artistically inclined people. As ever, the music for the show is provided by the wonderful Dirty Freud. You can check out his latest news and releases over at Dirty Freud on social media. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you for your patience. You might have seen it on the social media, but I'm doing these things in four packs now. I thought that sounded cooler than pods of four or bursts of four. It's the writer in me. I never know how to word these things. But that's the deal. So I went from a place where we were recording weekly. That got too intense. People couldn't keep up. And then it went bi-weekly. And that was all right. It was quite nice. People knew where they were at. Tuesday morning, cup of coffee, bang. Off you go, arrest all minutes, as it was called at the time. And then it became the Creative Condition podcast. By this stage, I was doing them all sporadic all over the show. I never knew when they were coming. And I thought, there's going to be a degree of that, because I'm pushing on too many fronts. And the podcast is something that I like to kind of jump into when it feels right, when the opportunities come along, or when it's topical. So it means that I can't always guarantee it every two weeks. So I thought, what's a good way around that? So... I like the idea of releasing them almost as mini-series, like pods of four. Look for some lovely balance across four guests. Release them, two weeks in between, bosh, 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 bosh. And then on we go. We get a nice break. Can all go back to our work. I can go back to my work, give you guys a chance to digest the shows. Maybe even revisit if you've really enjoyed one. That's the idea. And then come back, and here we are. So I hope you're liking that. I hope that sounds appealing to you. Love to get your feedback at Creative Condition. No, hang on. No, it's not. At Ben Talon Pod. There we go. That's one of the flaws about not doing them as often as I used to. Forget my own stuff. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have, as I mentioned at the top of the show, a wonderful guest coming up today, Sarah Coggin, English teacher and illustrator. Interesting combination. And we're going to get deep into the reads of language and confidence and articulating your creativity in the most effective way for you. What's your confidence? That's the topic of this show, so it's quite a good one. People like the psychology kind of one, so I hope you're going to enjoy this. Got another one coming up later in this little mini-series with Matt Essam, who's a creative coach. Uh, that's a good one too. We'll get into that properly later on in due course. How are you? How are you holding up? Are you getting back in the cafes? Have you have you gone out? Are you feeling a bit of social anxiety? I'm hearing all of these things in my own network, so I'm curious to know. How you guys are responding? How have you woken up into this new normal, into this rainy, dystopian landscape where we can all have a brew again? <laughs> That's where we're at at the moment. Uh, without further ado, let's talk about the founding and wonderful supporter of the show, Illustration X, who provide us with a grand and valuable industry insight every episode. So we're going to broaden these out now. We, we've talked about non-fungible tokens and how we move forward with that in an environmentally responsible manner it's important to do your research and the guys of the team have been digging deep and they've found something which there's going to be some news before long i believe uh something about a more a far less 
resources hungry method of stamping our work and maybe bringing in some extra revenue from these nfts um from maybe some artwork we've got sat there or whatever it might be but harry lyon smith the md did mention to me that they found something that is maybe the equivalent of a tweet in terms of energy output that feels nicer than you know a country's entire usage over a century or whatever was being thrown around prior to that so that's one tip keep an eye on that space uh the, it sounds like there's going to be opportunities to make good on this stuff without blowing up the planet at the same time so that'd be nice and i also just want to put forward the idea of uh, your confidence it's something we're going to get deep into on the show today but it's so vital and the guys at the agency you know like i mentioned every episode they're on the front line dealing with clients day in day out from all over the world, all different kinds of people, different levels of ego, different um, levels of busyness, all the factors that come into these conversations we have around our creativity and the business side of that and selling it. And language is vital. You have to work out what your confidence looks like, you know? We've had guests on the show, I think, back to like Craig Oldham is an example, Robert Clark. These are guys who are, they've got a real kind of extrovert personality going on, at least, you know, on the outside. We could never know truly what's going on with somebody on the inside, and nor should we, but um, they do that brilliantly, and it's completely them, and it endears their work, and it's a byproduct of their natural character, and it just comes across as such. On the flip side of that, I've met very, very quiet, lovely, delicate people. I always think back to Lucinda Rogers, illustrator and uh, reportage artist, uh, and Olivia Kugler to a degree. And these are guys who have to really go out there and work in a public setting and it's quite daunting and they, they do it. They set up their work on location and, and they create their beautiful reportage work. But when you meet them, there's a very quiet, lovely, considered... Um, what's the word? The volume's turned down. They're, they're, they're very gentle people. That's how I read them. And I found that an interesting interview challenge, you know, to kind of bring out the stories without it being a smash-mouthed in your face, look at what I'm doing, manner. And I think there's always the misconception that that's what confidence is and has to be. And it's, it couldn't be further from the truth. Those people do their confidence in a way that befits their, you know, their anxieties, their happiness. You have to work with, with what's there naturally, right? If you're an introvert, you, you, don't, you shouldn't be looking to change that. There are ways you can look to kind of come out of any shells that you might not be happy with. But ultimately, you are what you are. And I think it's about working with what's inside and, and finding a way to put that out there in a way that, that speaks confidence about the work you're producing and about what you're doing. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be chaotic, you know? And that's what we're going to talk about with Sarah Cogging today. So that, I guess the tip is to, to really consider what's there. Don't change it. Work with both the good and the bad and try to find a way that, 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 that makes confidence work for you. First of all, understand what confidence you know, might look like and then move forward with it. So I guess that's the tip. So a big thank you to founding sponsor. They've been there since day one for the show. Illustrationx.com. Go and check out all the awesome portfolios of animators and illustrators now. A big thank you also to second sponsor, the Association of Illustrators. Good bunch of guys doing so much vital work for the illustration industry. Well worth the membership. Go and have a look at what those guys are up to now. They're all over social media at the AOI. So... I won't keep you too much longer. We've got some great shows coming up in this next four-pack. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Sarah Coggin. She is... We got in touch years ago. So Sarah got in touch asking for some advice on being a freelance illustrator. And I've always been very, very happy to kind of share what I can when I can with people who are up and coming, people who might be stuck in a rut. 
anyone to be honest is why I do this show I'm just very passionate about creativity and illustration and design and writing and film and everything and I just love talking about it it's why I've gone over 170 episodes now um and Sarah got in touch and she told me she'd create a project combining creativity and language learning and it's something she'd love to get out to the world so I said well okay come on the show let's talk about it that sounds awesome um, and she said she wanted to help creative people feel more confident and to improve their communication skills. Creating great art doesn't mean you can necessarily talk about it easily, and I wanted to give creatives the skills they need to speak about their work without feeling anxious. I thought that was wonderful and so apt, and it trips so many people up, like I mentioned just, just now, confusing confidence with bravado and volume. Um, and Sarah says, for her, it's really important to help non-native speakers of English to feel empowered, to know they have the right to speak up and promote their creative work in whatever language they want, regardless of where they come from. She believes languages should be a fun tool and we can use to open up the world, not a hindrance or an obstacle to restrict people's access. Uh, she also wants to get the message out that language learning doesn't have to be boring or stressful and she wants to make languages accessible for more people. Um, her own story goes that she refused to study languages at school and has now learned to speak Spanish and Portuguese. She's working on French and Persian. How cool is that? The only way she was able to learn successfully and to confidently speak in other languages was by linking languages with my creative and emotional side. Instead of separating them, uh, essentially the, the opposite of what we're taught to do in schools. Big one. I think you're going to be really into it. Sarah's awesome. Go and check out her stuff. I will share all the links in the show notes so you can look her up on the socials. I just think it's this goes hand in hand with creativity and the way we should never separate anything from our personality and the way we, we view the world and process it because that's what we do when we create. And the minute we do that and we detach it, that's when we burn out and we kind of lose sight of why our energies and our sense of magic and wonder and, and, and our lust for fulfillment in this world it gets lost and then we forget why we created in the first place and suddenly we question our creativity our abilities and we feel shit about it um Muragaya, who's a two-time uh, guest on this show alumni of the show he posted a thing about burnout recently we had a big chat on the email and, and his work at the minute is astounding it's maybe my favorite stuff out there right now psychedelic beautiful digital art that's that's been used left and right and it started as this awesome personal stuff that when we first talked he had a completely different style and this was stuff that only came to the surface in a very early incarnation very sporadically and, and I've since seen that style just grow and develop since he's tapped into that side of his personality and his Sri Lankan ancestry and it's just it's awesome to see it going off globally now and he talked about burnout you know I'm constantly seeing conversations about burnout and I think it's when we just forget to take our foot off the gas and to just remember why we loved art college or we enjoyed reading that comic as a kid and, and get back in tune with that and then work backwards and then move forward to creating off the back of that love and that wonder so anyway I've bang, banged on long enough get your thoughts at Ben Talon pod on the social media or at Ben Talon whichever you prefer I'm, I keep a check on either and I hope you can enjoy this one. So a big thank you to Sarah, and let's get to it. Well, let's start. Let's nice things. Let's. I'd love to know about your background. Like, where are you from? Um, and also, we'll get onto your current practice. Okay. So, well, I was born in Cleethorpes, um, but we we moved around a lot when I was very young. I went to preschool in Dublin and Ireland, um, and then eventually we settled in Cheshire. So I grew up from like the age of three or four until I was 18, 19. I was in uh, a town in Cheshire 
Um, I went to primary school, that was five minutes walk away. I went to the local comprehensive, that was 20 minutes walk away. So I had a very kind of lovely um, childhood there. Um, and at school, I was quite academic and I went to the sixth form there as well. Um, and what I always really, really wanted to do was to be an actor. That was like my thing. I was always drawing and making stuff and interested in acting. So for like my last two years of sixth form and the year after, I went to an acting school in Manchester, um, which was amazing. Um, and then after I left sixth form, I had a gap year where I was working as a cheesemonger in booths, which was great. Um, and I was doing bits and pieces with my artwork, like craft markets for textiles. Um, I did some guest slots in Affleck at Swark, with Swark, um, the collective. And then like just had a year of doing like bits and pieces and bits of traveling, working, trying lots of different things. And then at the end of that year, I had my place at university. Um, I was supposed to go to Bristol and I'd been not very sure about that decision and I even reapplied and changed the course that I was supposed to do. Um, it was supposed to be philosophy and then it was going to be philosophy with politics because I thought that would convince me to go a bit more maybe. Um, and towards the end of that year I went to visit Bristol and to look at the, the dorms and stuff and just to like kind of set it up and I was walking around thinking oh this is such a nice city this is really nice but I don't think I want to come here for three years and take on also as well I, I was listening to your most recent episode talking about not going to uni and I think for me the fees that was a big impact because I thought I do not feel at all ready to take on this massive loan mm. um, and so I kind of freaked out, thought, well, what am I going to do? I can't stay here. I need to do something. And I ended up just um, looking for work exchanges. And I ended up going um, to do a work exchange in a hostel in Barcelona for one or two or three months was the idea. Um, so that was like my kind of running away from my very academic, everything was perfect life to like, oh God, okay, I need to get out of here and hide. Um, and so after two months, just doing like work exchange. So like showing people around the city and taking them to nightclubs and just like helping out around the hostel. I got offered a job, a full-time job as a receptionist. And I took that. So that's the story of how I kind of accidentally moved to Barcelona. Hmm. And um, that was very kind of, that was a crazy time because I was thinking about, oh my God, what am I going like, to do with my life? Am I um, like, what is going on? And I was, I was always drawing the whole time. Um, and then after a while, I thought, OK, I'm, I'm in a similar situation. I'm just in another bubble, like a different bubble in a different country. But I'm in a bubble where I'm not really uh, very free to, to move and to, I don't know, I think I was just afraid of being trapped anywhere. So at that point, I thought, OK, what, 
what can I do that's going to let me travel, that's going to be a bit more flexible. And that's when I trained to be a teacher. Um, I think it's like a really classic gap year crisis thing. It's like training to teach English. I think many people, um, yeah, it's like a bit of a stereotype. Like I moved abroad and now I teach English, but that's what I did. Um, and yeah, so I started teaching and, and that really for me was a way of being able to travel and being able to do art and to keep um, doing commissions and stuff on the side. It meant I had to I had the time to do that as well. Um, and then I started to learn languages. I started to speak Spanish and suddenly I kind of started to realise that me trying to be this serious teacher and teach the proper way and teach like this versus the way I was learning a language didn't match right like I, I had it like okay we're doing serious grammar we're doing this and this and this and it has to be very kind of serious and a little bit stressful and very very formal and then I was and then occasionally I would chat with students and they were like oh but you speak Spanish like how did you learn to speak and I was like oh um <laughs> I was just chatting with people I was just you know watching little videos and and listening to music and making a fool of myself chatting to people um, so that's what I've kind of been doing the last few years is having this realization that it's all connected all of these different things I was doing even the art stuff and and then I started to bring in um some of the training from the acting school which was all about um it was an amazing school Manchester School of Acting it was all about owning who you are and bringing yourself to a scene um so even if you're playing a character the most interesting thing is to to bring what's special about you to that and um, so i started to bring all of these things together and now what i'm focusing on doing is taking all of the parts that i like about teaching um, and trying to get rid of all the stuff i don't like so i'm i'm focusing on helping artists and creative people from from all countries not just people that uh, are learning English as a second language um, and basically my what I'm doing is helping people improve their communication skills so that they can share art with the world and so they can feel all right about connecting with people from different places because I think there's a lot of fear around doing that and it's not that scary like it is scary but it doesn't need to be so scary <laughs> I would yeah. say and like all I've done is I have some friends that say to me like oh you're so you're so brave and you just you just did it you just moved to these different places and you just you just did it and and wow and I'm kind of like it's really not something special and I'm not I don't have some special ability it's just looking at things in a different way and looking at okay here are the rules mm. and are they really rules or are they just you know kind of Constructs. things that we imagine yeah exactly and 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 how can we use tools from different things like you're not really like in conventional thinking you're not really supposed to bring music or weird like theater techniques or creative exercises into a language classroom but actually when you do that that's really interesting Mm. um so that that's kind of how I've landed at this point now um and in general I'm interested in just getting more people to learn languages and understanding that as you say they are they are a tool and they're not something they're not off limits to anybody and um, they're a tool that we can use 
It seems, yeah. would it be fair to say, I mean, it seems, you know, just going by your story there and knowing that you you also yeah. work as an illustrator and, you know, you're acting in the background and an academic background, um, but it seems like you place a high value on feeling and pay attention to the way that you feel about certain things, which is yeah. which is one of the biggest overlooked aspects of, I think just as a life lesson, but certainly when it comes to trying to utilize natural creativity um, and, mm. and, and make, you know, and put that in a, in a way that makes sense to us because that's very hard to do because creativity changes on a, on a minute by minute basis, let alone a day to day, month to month. So I think at the core mm. of that, um, you really have to listen to the way you feel about things and people go against that for many reasons. We will get into all that because I've got it kind of laid out. But I, but I think um, it seems like you, you, you listen to the way that you feel. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think something that um, when I took the decision to not go to university and to not kind of go down that path, it was really, really scary for me because the fact because of the fact that at school I always got the best grades. I always um, did everything I was supposed to do. I always got like whatever the gold star, and I really relied on that as like a I've did something. Good job, Sarah. Well done. Or mm. not not good because you need to do this. Um, and suddenly I was like, hang on, there's no one here to tell me if I made the right decision or not. Um, and so I think something I've learned over the last few years, because I have had no structure, I have had no um, term times or now's the time to work or now's the time to chill. I have, didn't have that at all. So I've had to kind of, yes, rely on feeling and also try to develop my own structure or my own way of, of processing that. Because if you just go, oh, I'm going to rely on feeling and nothing else, that's too far the other way and that's really scary so it's about kind of developing a frame that is loose enough to allow you to to make those decisions and I just know the way I am like I don't like to feel trapped in any way and I I understand that if I feel like I'm too trapped I'm not happy mm -hmm. so it's also understanding the way you operate some people work really well in a in a structure with um you know, with things very secure and I don't work so well that way. So it's also understanding how you feel about different stuff and the yeah. kind of things you like, I guess. Because what I find is time and time again, it's, it's so easy to turn inwards on yourself when, you know, when you do feel constrained or you feel the other, the other way, like you say, like everything yeah. is floating around in, in this, you know, without yeah. any kind of, actually as Ben Ryan on a previous episode put it, put it in a rugby context, guardrails, the players he was coaching, he said yeah. he'd like to bring in this very raw young talent, work with them, understand what their why and their motivations are and their backstory, and then give them yeah. individualized guardrails so that they had some framework and they had some focus, but he wasn't in any way cutting off their, their, you know, their flair or their, uh, yeah. their creativity and all these things. So I guess it's about doing that for yourself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really nice way to put it, actually. So something that doesn't constrain you, but something that can that can help you a little bit, um, like a very loose framework, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I feel like I in terms of the language and communication, which is, you know, I, I'm excited about this topic because it's such a kind of um, uh, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but, it, you know, it's a it's a famous old adage, isn't it? It's not necessarily just about the fact that it's not the starving artist thing, but I've come across yeah. so many um 
wonderfully talented artists that spend all the time creating magnificent work um, and really struggle to make a living from that work. And it isn't anything to do with the quality of the work yeah. or not necessarily even anything about their personality. But I feel that it could be, that problem could be bridged by better communication skills. Is that is that uh, close yeah. to in your opinion? I, I really agree. And, and I would say as well, the reason why that, that motivates me so much is because it is such a shame, right? When you see someone that's making something amazing and they can't quite get the words out or they can't um, necessarily articulate what it is, it's such a shame because I'm like, oh my goodness, if people could see it, it's it's the best thing in the world. So for me, that, that really motivates me um, as a teacher. And I, th I think it is really important because it's also like necessary. It's a real, I think, reality of the world we live in that you can't just be like, maybe it's sad that it doesn't work this way anymore, but you can't just be a, a complete recluse and then sell your work like people want to buy from people who they know about or at least um not necessarily like they know all of your personal details but like they need to understand the story like if, if a piece of artwork has a story we care so much more about it um and i think that's also a translation process right you, here's your artwork here's your vision how do you translate that into a way that a normal person that isn't inside your brain or maybe isn't an artist or is a different kind of artist will understand it and will connect to your vision. Um, so I think it's really important just because it's such a shame that people can't do that. Um, well, I, I, think, like I, I think a crux of that problem, and, and again, you know, if you, if you disagree with this, let me know, but, but I, I think a crux of that problem is that it's perception and it's the idea of the, you know, it, it still persists that as, artists and whatever we are writers musicians creatively i guess artistically inclined people we there's almost the kind of devil of business and that you know and selling and and and, and it doesn't really doesn't act like, as you hit upon there with the kind of holistic approach yeah. as in here's this wonderful person who's got this unique story and this is why they're making this thing and this is why it looks the way it does i want that. mm -hmm. that's you know it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that and there are and there are myriad ways to do it in accordance to your personality and I think that there's there's the tendency to kind of stop making the work and then get that absolute fear of looking over the cliff and going, oh my God, there's that there's the monster of business coming over the horizon. And now I've got yeah. to see it. it. It doesn't have to be that. It's about, I think it's about, like we said before, framing and guardrails. It comes back mm -hmm. to that point again. It's now, it's now a case of how do I position this beautiful work that I've spent time lovingly crafting and put mm -hmm. that in a front-facing way and communicate that message you know, uh, in accordance to, to me. It doesn't have to be a scary chore. You know, I, I have got some of my favourite jobs through the most wonderful ways that I just loved doing, you know, and, and it's still selling, it's still marketing. It doesn't have to be this big corporate thing with representatives yeah, and I, galleries and, you know. Yeah, it's. I think that's true because I think it's, first of all, there's like the kind of... Um, it's seen as kind of in I think in many ways it's seen as kind of like a bit dirty like oh you're trying to do sales and people feel a bit grossed out by that but also um as you say there's kind of this thing of it's seen as something really separate and there are many like stereotypes about people that do sales and it's all kind of fake and and that kind of thing and and 
I would say what I do a lot of work with is getting people to understand that there are different versions of power and there are different versions of confidence. So it's not about saying like, if you have someone that's very introverted and is very scared about talking about their work, it's not about saying, oh, you just have to do it. You just have to go and, and be really loud and, and go and do a dance in front of everyone and, and that's it. It's like, no, first of all, it's acknowledging that this is part of your craft as an artist. If you want to sell your work, that's part of what you do. And that's just a reality. And you can make it something that you do with gritted teeth that you avoid and that, you know, even if you can manage to do it, you feel scared or you feel uncomfortable doing it or you can say hang on I'm an artist and there are no rules and making that an extension of of your creative practice because at the end of the day marketing or selling what are you doing you're trying to communicate with other human beings and isn't that interesting and isn't that exciting and how can you craft your message to connect with them how can you bring your personality to to those situations um and like if you think about I have used this example with a lot of people but if we consider like a conventional powerful figure like a conventional version of power if we imagine like a CEO a man that is the head of a super big company and you imagine him like stood next to me he's in a suit he's probably really strong and tall and probably very rich and hmm. um, and we could say right he's a confident guy he has more power than me and if we have a conversation, I should be intimidated because he has all of these things that give him power. Um, but we could look at it in a, in a different way, right? I have other things. I have my personality, my creativity, my passion, my compassion for other people. That is my superpower because it means I will do things that he's not prepared to do. Um, there's the fact that I'm fine with being vulnerable. I can be vulnerable in situations. Maybe he can't do that. And suddenly you see how these interactions could be could be equalized. And um, so I think for that, especially because a lot of artists, like generally we are introverted in mm. some way. I think if you like making stuff, then you know that you like to spend hours on your own um, with your headphones and just working on something. But it's not about trying to change that. And it's not about, becoming someone different or becoming something else it's just realizing that you don't need to be afraid in these situations see them as something interesting and because once you take away the fear then you can access everything else that you have if you're not thinking oh god I'm so terrified you can think oh what they just said to me how did that make me feel oh it made me feel like this and how am I going to respond and which parts of me am I going to bring to that and um, so it's really not about like squash down your feelings and stick on a smile and, and speak in a really loud voice it's about you don't need to be afraid and you can be yourself essentially um it's that's how it's, I liked it. it's it's fascinating um to me because it's and here's an, an, an um, analogy that I, that I came up with a little while ago and I likened it to top trumps and okay. and, and, and and I think that so for anybody who doesn't know Top Trumps, is I don't even know if they're still a what? thing. What? Who doesn't know Top Trumps? <laughs> but it's essentially, it was a very basic card game and they had them in all <laughs> different things, whether it was Marvel or whether it was, um, I don't know, whatever, pick your... I had, I had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
And, and what I love is you, you can't, you know, you pick up a card and you get, for example, strength, 10 out of 10, um, magic, yeah. one out of 10. And it's, and I think yeah. we all have that top trump card of ourselves, do we not? And, and, and you can, yeah. there are things you can work on and there are things that you can, imp- I mean, I mean, you can improve any of it. That's, that's the truth. Mm. But, but for one person improving, let's say magic, that's eight out of 10 to a 10 out of 10 <laughs> is going to be much easier than for the person whose magic is two out of 10. So what's the point, yeah. you know, why not acknowledge that that is one of your lower skill sets and be completely yeah. fine with that and, and maybe even find a way to factor that in as a positive. So there's something wonderful about a quiet, tender person who's an introvert and that's as magnetic to their work and their practice because it's a fundamental part of it as any bravado is. And even if they tried to have bravado, it would break them. It would be too intimidating and it would be foolish to even try. You know, I think, I think of, um, I think of like DIY. I'm, I'm the worst person in the world for DIY. I could learn it. I could spend years, months, you know, learning it. But what's the point? Because there are so many people who that comes to so naturally, so easily that it's fine to admit yeah. that, that I just need a specialist when it comes to that one thing. And I'm picking all these things outside of creativity yeah. and language, but the same thing applies, does it not? And why not use yeah. those use those tens and those eights and those nines at the forefront? But also, you know, let's pull a one forward and, and own that weakness because it's fine to have them. We all have them. But it's about being, yeah. it's about admitting, not even admitting, that sounds bad. It's about accepting and being completely at peace with that whole panorama of skill set. You know, maybe even do that. Yeah. Maybe even sit down as an exercise and write down, you know, the, the core things and what are the weaknesses, what are the strengths and how can you package that in a way that represents your work with authenticity? Yeah. That's what it's about, isn't I- it? I completely agree. And and wouldn't it be so boring if we were all the same as well? Like, what is the point in trying to get this carbon copy? And I've got a different analogy to top trumps that I used, which is, um, I've called it the mixing desk of power, just because it sounds a bit scary. Um, but if you imagine like a, a music producer's mixing desk, mm-hmm. right? So they've got um, all these different stuff on it. You've got the vocal, you've got the bass guitar, lead guitar, and you can change the levels. And you can basically put everything on your mixing desk. So that can be your strengths, your traits, your different stuff you can do. And it can be really, really big. And there's probably going to be stuff that you don't use that often. And it can change and you can add stuff in. But then once you've realized that, it's like, oh, I have a lot to play with. And it also gets you to consider interesting combinations, like probably most, you know, in one area, There'll be people that have similar things, but maybe you did something in in your past that gave you a specific skill or a specific ability that you could bring to this. And couldn't you play with that in in, in various situations? So um, I, I would really recommend that as an exercise. Whatever you want to do, write your top trumps card, write down your mixing desk. Mm. And actually, I think anyone wants to start to do that First of all, you'll see um, weaknesses. Probably that's going to be the first thing that comes out. Um, But then once you think and once you sit with it, you're going to realise all the amazing things you can do. Yeah. Um, And you'll probably remember things. And that's quite cool because then you go, oh, I have quite a lot of things on my mixing desk. And, And as well, there are no rules with that. Like it can be weird stuff. And that's the coolest thing because... It's so interesting. 
And is, there, is there, have you got a particular, um, you know, something that you might consider, uh, a, a, I don't know, something that you might have irritated you or you didn't like about yourself that, that you've kind of managed to use in a, in a, in a positive way? I'll give you a little example of my own. I'm, I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very haphazard. I'm very clumsy. Um, I can't change that. I, I leave bags on mm-hmm. buses all the time. And, you know, there, there are these kind of, that, you know, in a, in a, in a personality way, it's the kind of thing where you go, you know, you trip up again and you go, oh, you're such a dick. Or, you, you, you know, you knock the pans over in the cupboard and it's, mm-hmm. everything's clattering down. But that haphazard clumsiness is what characterizes my map making style and my illustrative style, which has earned me a living for 12 years now. And, mm-hmm. And I don't try to change that because I know that I, I couldn't be me without that. And it's, it's it's that rawness, that unfinished thing that attracts people to my work and makes it what it is. So I long ago accepted that that's fine. It's something I can laugh at in my day-to-day life, but it's actually this wonderful thing that would be a one on a top trump card or a mixing desk, but actually yeah. it's, it you know, it makes me my living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's what's special. I'm curious to know That's if you've got. A, I'm curious to know if you've got a similar thing or anything that you would put forward in that respect. Interesting. There's some. There's something that I used to be very, very um, embarrassed about, um, which is probably maybe not something to be embarrassed about. But like, I'm obsessed with making lists and plans, and um, like, I always have to write everything down, and I always have to like always have a plan and always have a list to know what I'm doing and to feel calm and like it used to be something where it's kind of like it would be hidden away on bits of paper and there would be quite like rubbishy bits of paper and then at some point I thought okay I do this and actually why do I do it and it's to it's to free me up it's like because I have a lot of stuff going on in my head and that means that if, if I write it down I'm not thinking about it like I'm having this conversation with you and I'm listening to you and thinking about what you're saying and I'm not thinking about what I'm doing later because I know it's on my list I don't need to check <laughs> I don't need to you know to think about it um so for me I've embraced that a bit more and now I like have a nice notebook and I write nice lists and that kind of thing but for me that was like I was a bit I'm a bit obsessive about it and for me making peace with that like admitting I know I'm like this and actually it's not that weird it it really helps me mm-hmm. um and it means I'm pre- I'm prepared for lots of different things um it's not very cool no but but what, but, what, but, but, but uncool is cool in this industry so yeah I think it, we can all leave cool at the door I think I think it's actually quite a dangerous thing there's a lot of cool kids in this industry and, and I often yeah. see I often see hollow underneath it if that makes sense you know there's a lot of bravado and kind of living up to what people think they should be and that's one of the most dangerous things you can do not to go too much yeah. down that rabbit hole but I think it's fine to own those <laughs> cool things that they're what make us um but I would go I would would you say that gives you confidence because this is where I want to kind of take this chat next and I think it's and I want to say confidence mm. I, I think when I've got my shit together, which isn't too often in terms of, you know, lists and the likes, but actually when I when I take yeah. the time to do that and counter that kind of, let's say that low score on my mixing desk, um, I feel more, it all helps me feel confident when I'm, when I'm doing things that I need to do for me. And actually I, I've, what I found about the, the kind of pre-chat we had about this podcast, fascinating was, re, you know, looking at confidence in its many, many forms. 
because much like mm -hmm. that idea of selling that we talked about and the, the big mm -hmm. monster on the horizon, the big, you know, the big B, the big B word business. It's like, it's not that. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions about confidence. And uh, you sort of said about developing confidence in line with your personality. And this goes back to the, the you know, the introvert, extrovert. It's all kind of irrelevant, provided you're true to yourself. So in terms of confidence, um, you know, you said it, it's not a one size fits all. So, and, and in terms of language, you know, where does that, where does confidence, you know, lie in, in the landscape of language, I guess, and, and expressing Good. what we do? Yeah. Good question. Um, I would say you almost, you kind of hit on it there, but for me, confidence is being comfortable with who you are and being comfortable with the fact that you are not someone else and you're not trying to be someone else you are who you are and um, because i think when probably the, a nice way to understand it or a nice way to think about it is to consider what does it mean to not be confident right so when you're um imagine you're going to give a presentation or a speech and you feel afraid what are those fears and if you really interrogate those um like, for example, this um, recording this with you, that's something that could uh, be very scary. I'm, I'm speaking to someone I don't know. It's being recorded. Who is going to listen to it? And what are they going to think about me? Um, and so often that's kind of where a lot of fears lie is what will other people think about me? And am I as I should be? And comparison well this person did it like that and I've done it differently what does that mean um so I think it's really being comfortable with who you are and that comes from knowing yourself and admitting that's like as you said it's maybe that's a negative way to frame it admitting your weaknesses but actually if you've done that work with your mixing desk your top trump card you know who you are and who you are not and you know what you can do um, and it's then really, really owning that, I think. Um, and especially if you're if you're an artist or if you're someone who has something to say, there's probably a reason why you're doing these scary interactions. If it's if it's pitching, if it's selling, if it's approaching a new person to have a conversation, why are you doing that? You're not just doing it for the sake of it. So I think you you own who you are, you understand who you are and get comfortable with that because you can change but you have to kind of stay with yourself you're not going to be transplanted into someone else's body um, and then having a mission and so i think having a mission knowing what your mission is and letting that be more important than what anyone thinks of you um, so again with this example like i'm doing something that's potentially scary that's potentially risky because What's Ben going to think of me? What are people that, that listen going to think of me? Maybe someone from my primary school is going to listen and they're going to say, oh, she was horrible anyway. You know, like all of these, these things that you imagine. And mm. um, those are fears that could potentially stop me. But at the end of the day, I believe in my work. I want to help more people. I want to get more clients. I want to share this message with the world. I would love to help people i would love to get more people thinking about languages differently and, and learning languages i want to stop people having that like horrible feeling in the pit of their stomach when they have a phone call with someone um, and i think all of those things are much more important 
than what anyone thinks of me, what anyone could could say about me. Um, so it's, it's, it's knowing who you are, getting comfortable with that, having your mission and having that like in like lights above you. And then you kind of see anything else as insignificant because we can't we can't remove those fears. We can't like not have doubts about um, all those things. You can't help your like you can in different ways, but your brain is always going to kind of go down these routes of anxiety or, or negative thoughts. And I think it's just having something to send to you that is more important than everything else. Um, and, and that means as well that when you, when you freak out or when you have these moments of, of, of nervousness, you can come back, hang on guys, that doesn't matter because we're doing this. Mm. mission and that's so much more important than anything else and then I'm going to get interested in my mission and think about okay how can I best achieve that and as soon as you start thinking about those things it's not even a question of confident or not confident because you're not on that planet anymore Mm. you're thinking about how am I best going to achieve my mission how am I best going to craft my message and and all those kind of doubts and fears are left Mm -hmm. left at the door because you see them as irrelevant which they yeah, and you're being you. Once once you're you, and you've got that nail, yeah. everything else falls into place, you know. And you are confident. Yeah. And what that confidence looks like, again, it comes from you. So you're fine. You don't have to. You don't have yeah. to think it. You just do it and be you. Um, and yeah. you know, it's it's funny because I, I know I've talked to so many people in this industry now, whether it's through this show or just in you know impassioned mm-hmm. conversation in pubs and the rest of it. And I love seeing and why a big driver in why i continue to do this show is is just i just love knowing the story behind what i see publicly faced and time and time again it all makes sense once i get talking to a person that the kind of the dots get joined as i hear their story and i, and I see and that's what people as you hit upon earlier that's what people buy into so you know whether it's a, you know how we look at language whether it's a case of one of those conversations in a pub a verbal conversation whether it's a really funny tweet and that person could never achieve that same level of humor in a pub for example you know or I actually, I can never, ever have any kind of articulate conversation about anything like politics, the environment, any kind of debate. I get my ass handed to me every single time because I'm terrible <laughs> at doing it verbally. I have to go away, yeah. understand those thoughts. And then when I can write, let's say, a 700-word piece, I'll articulate that mm. as well as the next person. Because And it took me a long time to understand, actually. And actually, it was champagne and wax crayons and writing that book because it, that was a vent of my frustrations that began as a blog. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, okay, I'm so much better at saying what I'm feeling here through writing. And actually, yeah. as an illustrator, yeah. you know, oh, why would I want to write? I'm an art student, <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden, writing becomes this chief outlet. And 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 again, that's yeah. it's, that, it's that thing about life experience. You know, you have to kind of go there, do it, understand it, and work backwards. And then I go, okay, mm-hmm. I'm always a bit better at this, <laughs> at writing, you know? Yeah. So if you are that person who's an introvert and, and then gets terrified about picking up the phone to a client, maybe don't pick up the phone to a client. If it's something that feels like you can overcome it and it will benefit you to overcome that anxiety using the methods you've just described, Sarah, then brilliant, go for it. But if it's a one on your top trump card and, and, you, and you're just not going to get there, yeah. 
don't even bother. Go down the email route. Go down the physical mailer with a lovely, like, you know, get, get some mystique in that letter that turns up. Maybe create a pseudonym or, a, or another identity. Do what you need to do in reflection of that yeah. personality. You know, be, I always say yeah. be, more, be more Bowie. Be more, you know, be more Ziggy Stardust. Create something. Be, that, be more weird. Because exactly. that's what everyone loves. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. repeated this too many times, but I always love it. And it was um, Noel Gallagher who said, I don't want to know what, what David Bowie's having on his cornflakes in the morning. I don't want to know what socks he's wearing, you know. I, I want to yeah. believe he's from Mars. And I think for quiet yeah. people, you know, there's nothing wrong with completely removing his, those weaknesses or yourself from the, from the situation. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's the weird stuff that we should celebrate. And it's, you know, people don't, there's something people, I think we confuse it because we think, oh, to be professional I have to be corporate and I have to be be beige and and that's the worst thing because being professional doesn't mean doesn't mean boring you can you can display your professionalism in a number of ways it doesn't mean being boring and all of these weird things we should celebrate them because they're the best yeah. that's the magic stuff that's and, the best and, stuff trust me it? trust me people in that environment in a corporate environment they want some color they want some fun and and i and i've and i've gone the other way in that in that environment i've put on an even stupider shirt and and you know really hammed up the Yorkshire accent because it's just like <laughs> you know because people people want to drink from their daily life this is why you see cool illustration in like industry yeah. business magazines sometimes because they're so sick of editing yeah. articles or their readers are not sick of but it's their daily academic job to read those articles mm. so if they can mm. do that with a cool double page spread illustration that's got some flair mm. they're going to do it so actually by doubling down on what's unique about that personality in respect of the work the language that you're using to convey that work it it People want that. People want exactly what makes it so. They don't want you to kind of suddenly go, shit, better dull it down. It's a big corporation. No, 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 no. Go the other way. Always go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so much more sustainable. Being being yourself is so much more sustainable than trying to be someone else because for, you'll never get it right if you are trying to do something that's different. First of all, you'll never get it right. If you get, if you get close to getting it right, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort. You know, it's like asking if you need to ask a question and you have to check this this imagined model of something. You just ask yourself, what do you think is the best thing? What do you think is the best mm-hmm. way? It's so much more sustainable. It's easier. Yeah, Completely. So you don't have to look outside for that stuff. And and, a lot, and when it's done properly, and when you really do have that confidence in yourself, it doesn't even come across as um, as selling or talking about your work. It's just something you're incredibly passionate about. You know, I, I moved to I moved to London and um, there was a, a I moved in a new studio set up and it was like felt like being back at the first day at college. It felt magic. It was brilliant. And I remember walking into the studio opposite to see who was there because we all moved into a new building on the same day, basically. So everyone was moving in with all their stuff at the same time. And I walked into a studio of a lady called Chaz and she was studying product design and she got this studio because she had 3D printing set up and it was the first time that I'd seen 3D printing. But what was amazing was Chaz's absolute passion. She was loud, larger than life, the loveliest lady. And she didn't go, you know, this is what it is. This is what it costs. Here's how you can get it. She just was in love with that process and she showed me it. She she switched on the machine. She printed off a little model and, and I was just mesmerized by the whole thing and her passion was infectious and from that moment i i had the, the cods were turning in my head about working 
with her on something. They know what it was. In yeah. the end, I got my I got yeah. to 3D print my head and shoulders for like the arrest when it, when the podcast was called Arrest All Mimics for that yeah. branding. <laughs> and and actually, you know, I'd given her a commission, and there was no formal selling or business language yeah. or speak. It was just Shaz being Shaz to the max, turned up to ten, go, you know in love with this thing and I wanted to be a part of that I wanted some of it and that was it and that's all it has to be sometimes yeah yeah well it's like as well if you if you try and and do something that is not authentic it it never works because it's like if if you were doing it on a date right if you try to act the way you think somebody should act on a date because confidence applies here too even if you do that really successfully and you end up marrying that person and being in a relationship with them, they're going to find out at some point it's not you. And what is the point, <laughs> you know? So maybe as well, it, it's you in terms of like getting the right clients or, or connecting with people that, you know, you want them to, to want to work with you, not to want to work with some version of you that, that, that doesn't actually exist. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's all about sustainability. Can you keep up that act? It is. I, I think I, I think we've um, covered you know the, the kind of creative and the business side of it. What I, what I'd love to get into a little more is the actual mm-hmm. language learning side of things because I think you you said it well when mm-hmm. we talked about this that there you know the world is completely global now. Whether it's through COVID, whether it's technology, yeah. you know we we never we've never kind of functioned as one in a lot of respects more than we have today. Um, so I don't know, let, let's, let, let's talk about that, but there are perhaps more reasons than ever before to learn a new language, whether that's somebody who's, let's say, come to Britain and maybe they speak English reasonably well, but they really want to kind of bring that to a creative sphere where they can, you know, get, I don't know, you, you talk to me. <laughs> well, yeah, on, on, on that point, I would just say, yeah, because I, I teach a lot of people who've learned English as a second language. And I think often even people something that really upset me at the start was even people that can can speak excellently and can communicate excellently hesitate about applying for jobs or 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 going for stuff and i have a friend who um who speaks she's she's portuguese and she speaks english perfectly right like sometimes we speak in portuguese but most of the time we speak in english because she's fluent in english um, and she was applying for, I think it was a master's program or something. I'm not like, okay, I should have remembered. I'm not sure what she was applying for. Oh. Um, and she was saying, oh, yeah, but I'm not a native. So, and I was like, yeah, but you can absolutely do this. You are absolutely capable. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not a native. So maybe I won't get it. And I think, um, that sadly there is this kind of um, native speakerism that does exist in hiring processes, um, which is very sad. Um, but I don't think it should exist. And I don't think people should be judged or undervalued for, for, for speaking a language as a second language. I think, as we said, language is something that is a tool for all of us. And it, it should be accessed by everyone. And that means Yes, if you can speak it and if you can learn a language, yes, you can work in it. And you absolutely have a right to to use that language for whatever you want. You have a right to tell your story in that language. Um, because I think the yeah, sometimes people lack confidence because they feel like, oh, it's it's not my place to use that language. And it, it doesn't belong to anybody. We all have access to this. Um, 
and I think yeah I think especially as you said um COVID but also just in general now like we have so many opportunities um for work for accessing different audiences even just in terms of like making friends and <laughs> accessing different stories like this there's never been a better time to do that um and I think there are so many reasons to learn to learn different languages um, and it can be so rich for your life and it can be so rich for your work um, but I think many people like get put off um, and for example even though I was very academic I did not study languages at school I took it until like the uh I took German until I was 14, I think, which was the requirement. And then after that, they suggested that we take it. And I was just like, I can't do it. No way. Um, because it's so boring. Um, which is crazy because now I um I speak languages and I learn languages for fun and I love it. Um, but I think a lot of people get put off. Um, well, at least in my experience, it not that there was a problem with the teachers, but the the framing of the courses and the way it's framed is grammar first with a lot of pressure with a lot of stress um which is just like you take something that is exciting and is beautiful um and make it very very unsexy and very boring and it's just incredible how you take something that is so interesting and so wonderful and make it so unappealing it's it's really <laughs> incredible <laughs> It's the opposite. Like, yeah. It's the opposite of like marketing yeah. PR, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. Like I tell this, I tell you, this is the best advert for learning a language. I was um I remember being at a party and there was a guy from Uruguay. So he's a Spanish speaker, speaking in Spanish, very, very lovely accent um from Uruguay. It's a really nice accent, speaking beautiful Spanish. And then he was explaining something to an American girl in English. And he had a French girlfriend, so he was like whispering some things in his girlfriend's ear in French. And I was like, wow, like if you need an advert for speaking languages, this kind of ability to, to enter different worlds and to connect with different people, it's, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, I think people, people get put off by school or I, I already did. Um, and then the next thing is to speak a language, you have to basically go through the process of making a lot of mistakes. Like you have to do that practice and there's no there's no way you can jump over that or work around it you have to do that um like learning to walk you have to fall over a bit um and i think people get scared about making mistakes and being a beginner in something as well um so i think that's something that puts people off but it doesn't need to be that way it can be fun i think once you get I think yeah. I think if how, I'm you know it's isn't it funny now exactly what you've said there it's like this thing that comes incredibly natural as as children as to, as tiny yeah. babies with no way of thinking overthinking it or putting mm -hmm. up the walls make tons of mistakes but be very adorable doing it in the process but but <laughs> as you've said it, it really it's all down to it's such an emotive experience, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. all, all their, you know, their first points, their first words, they come through interest and curiosity and play mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. their 
desire to tell you something that they can't yet articulate that goes beyond a scream or a cry yeah. or a smile. Um, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It's one of the most natural things. And yet, like, I guess just like creativity, really, and being and being an artist, it's like you suddenly get into adulthood <laughs> and there's a million reasons not to do it or to be fearful of it and to strip away yeah. those passions and those loves and those tiny little quirks of ours at the core of, of our personalities that make it mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I have one example quite recently. I was I was teaching because I still teach um, more conventional classes with some companies. And um, there was one like a kids company I work with. And I was teaching this kid. He's probably about eight or nine. And we were doing the exercises. I, I'm not satisfied with the materials. It's very boring. And he was struggling to come out with these like really basic sentences. And then at the end, we had a few minutes spare. So we did show and tell, right? So get something from your room and show me and talk about it. And he showed me a paper airplane. And I was like, oh, cool. Can you show me how to make one? And suddenly this kid was fluent and he was fluently describing how to fold the paper. And then I was doing it wrong. And he was like, oh, no teacher, not like that, like this. And I was like, how? <laughs> Um, so it really shows that when you when you want to say something, then mm. um, you, you can get you can manage it. But um, I, I think what uh, what is important is as well as that motivation that like I need something. So I'll use this language is it's using what you love and using that as an anchor. And um, just because you have to like, as you mentioned, when when you're learning your native language you're surrounded by it all the time your parents are speaking it you're watching cartoons you're reading it everywhere and that's that's necessary if you're going to learn a language you need to consume a lot of content in that language so why not make that really fun why not use mm. what you love um and then you learn in a way that is that is connected to your emotions that's connected to your creativity um and it's so fun then and also as well I think when you when you learn in that way that relaxed way that natural way it's difficult to kind of forget something you've learned like that because you've not memorized it mm -hmm. like oh god I've got a test I need to know it you're just you're just doing it naturally and um, so like for for me it was friends like interesting people that I wanted to hang out with and I was speaking to them and then music for me music is always a big one and and you have so many resources with YouTube and with everything like if you for me I like uh music but then from that you also have documentaries about artists you can read interviews you can watch interviews you've got Netflix and you can watch so many shows in different languages mm. so it's, it's really amazing but I I would say you kind of need I spoke about it was on the other day and we said you need like joy and fire. So you need um, something that you love and something that is really, really joyful and amazing. And then you need some motivation. And I think your motivational reason has to be really, really personal. Um, just because if it's not, it won't work, right? Like if, if you're a baby and you're like, I'm hungry, that's a really good example of like, I need to say some words to get some food because I'm hungry. And um, like, if you just have, oh, it's in a, in a very uh, general way. Oh, it's good for opportunities. Okay, it's true, but like, what do you want? 
oh, I could move abroad. Okay, but why do you want to move abroad? Like for me, I wake up here in the south of France and it's sunny more days than it's cloudy. That for me is like a very kind of visceral, real reason why I like living in other countries is the sunshine. And that's something I'm really connected to. Um, or for example, if it's that you want to, to have a specific job, why do you want that? And, and what about that would change your life in a real way? Um, for me with the Spanish, so I had music and, and friends and laughter and all of this. And then I had something um, for me, a negative motivator worked really well, which was I'm going to be going to a party and I know people will be speaking in Spanish. That will be the main language. And I do not want to be the silent English girl in the corner because mm -hmm. I know it will feel horrible. Um, and so that's like, I refuse to be that person I refuse to 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 be there so I would I would much rather be the girl that's making people laugh because she's so bad at conjugating these verbs but she's making people laugh and she's actually speaking to them rather than not speaking to them um or for example a bit a bit later on um I really wanted to go to Argentina um and that's that wasn't really a good reason for me to go I had no like um I wasn't going with anybody I just I just really really wanted to go and I knew that for that trip to be a success I had to get my level up in Spanish because to do the things I wanted to do to move around to to feel safe I needed to get my Spanish up and and that was very personal because I, I could I was always going to go and nobody would know really if it was a good trip or a bad trip because I could say, oh, I had a great time, mm -hmm. whatever happened. But for me, it would be awful if I went and felt restricted in some way or felt like I'd missed out on, on some conversations or if I'd been too afraid to, you know, to, to navigate my way around. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what worked for me. But those are not being the quiet girl in the corner and, 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 and getting to Buenos Aires on my own, were, they were two like really strong reasons for me. And um, so I would say to anyone, use what you love. Don't be afraid to use what you yeah. love and find some fire. Find your like. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 reason. I'm, I'm desperate to go back to Japan. I, I fell in love with it when I went there in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of learning Japanese or I guess, suppose, you know, you could say the same of Chinese, any language with different characters, mm. different alphabet, you know, it's, it's, Kind of terrifying, but but now that we've talked about this, actually, you know, I love so much pop culture from Japan. You know, and the, the fact that my book yeah. came out over there is, is there's a big why. You know, if I go back there and yeah. I further that kind of creative presence in Japan and just to indulge in all that wonderful visual communication that I loved over there, and the fact that the book got translated, and you know, just the fact that I love Japanese video games. Um, there's mm. Japan's got a big wrestling scene, which ties in with you know. There are yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. There are many anchor points that I could probably put at the forefront if I was to, yeah. to get a basic grasp. And the idea of going back there, you know, it was a trip of a lifetime. But the one thing I didn't like was the fact that the people at the publisher had very you know fluent English. They made it really easy yeah. to be really lazy yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and, and there's such a respectful culture in Japan that I don't want to go back there and, you know, not know how to just say some basic things and to ask how yeah. they are in their own language. You know, I would love to go back there with that toolkit. So, yeah. you know, when that time comes, when kids are a little bit older and I could get back to Japan, it's like, I, you know, I've, I've got no excuse in the meantime now to, to bring those yeah. interests to the forefront and put in practice everything you've just explained. Yeah, 
Yeah. And if you really connect as well to those emotions of how it would feel and how amazing would it feel to, to be able to do that, it's, it's good. And I think once, once you get enough knowledge and you have that kind of basic level of, of knowledge to start doing it and you get over your fear and you start to speak, then I would say it's, it's obviously not completely easy, but I would say that's then it's kind of downhill because then you naturally um, go to the grammar. Right. In the, same, in the same way you do as a kid, you suddenly go, you, you start to speak to someone and you think you know what they're going to respond. And then they respond to something different. And you're like, oh, hang on. Did I say something funny or, or what went on? And I said it this way. Why did they say it this mm-hmm. way? Um, or, OK, now they're laughing. What was that joke? What did he say? Why is it funny? Yeah. Um, and, and then you kind of come back to the grammar and you but you come back to it instead of starting with the grammar you come back with questions and you want to understand the structure of the language. And it also makes sense to you because you're like, oh, you can, you can start to connect the dots. Um, so I think once you like get into it, the rest is, is a bit easier because you naturally arrive at those questions. Um, and it's also really addictive in that sense. Like once you can start to have these conversations. It, it is, and, and I would go as far as to say we can broaden that beyond languages you know, spoken mm-hmm. and written languages. We, you know, this we talked at the at the start of this, off you know, uh, separate from the podcast about you learning code at the moment because if you were curious, <laughs> and it's like, and I actually for the first time learned a little bit of animation um, when I brought my re- like most recent book out, your mum, because I wanted to make my own trailer. I didn't really have the budget to to bring in an animator, and I, you know, suddenly I had a reason. It's like for all these years, the reason I didn't want to learn any animation was because it would be time consuming didn't particularly have a reason or a need to learn animation mm-hmm. so I, again i would have been warring against myself by adding an, another thing into an already hectic schedule but all of a sudden mm-hmm. i've got this book that's come about through just passionate writing about these weird little characters and moments and, and objects in the street and i've got to do a trailer for it so i suddenly i had a reason to do it and and, and i loved learning yeah. doing it and again it, that just amplified that just yeah underlines everything you've said yes you can apply that to the learning of a foreign language but that foreign language could be code it could be animation it could be a new skill it could be absolutely anything that you could you could bracket as a language you know and I think that's just a core principle of learning isn't it It's, it's why I was terrible at school when I should have been better because I hadn't there was too big of a gulf between what I was passionate about and what I should have mm. been doing you know and that's the, mm-hmm. that's the curriculum all over isn't it it's like you said you know like, you know let's make it really unsexy this beautiful thing yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's really sad in that like I I had a great experience at school because I, I got on with most of my teachers and and I did all of the stuff I was I was supposed to do. But I think school in general is is really good at trying to put people in boxes mm. and people don't belong in boxes <laughs> like we, um, you know, it's it until, does, the, until the end. So be really, was, yeah, be really dark about it. <laughs> You know? Are you writing horror stories? I can do that. Um, <laughs> you can tell I've been studying horror fiction. There's a real uh, yeah. an, there's an analogy in that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think I think it's true that like a lot of the stuff that yeah curriculums conf, conf, confine people and constrain people. Um, and my I my mum was a primary school teacher. Um. And my dad was also a lecturer at a university. And so I would see that their frustration as well with like my mum being like, 
I'm trying to get the kids to follow the schedule that we're supposed to follow. And um, I remember she she said something in her school had changed. They used to have this time in the morning and kids could come in and kind of chat a bit. Um, and suddenly it was, oh, no, they, they made it shorter and you had to go off into some group to do something. And she was like, there are some kids that really needed that time to, like, tell you something and settle down. And it wasn't allowed on the schedule it was like computer says no you can't you can't do it yeah. um and, and even my dad as well talking about the fact that he uh, was an engineer and he had left school at 16 and, and gone to work in the merchant navy and traveled a lot and had a lot of um like he was a proper engineer had a lot of experience and he went back um to university later and did his phd and and became a lecturer and something he noticed more recently um in the structure of the degrees and i don't, don't know this if this is since the fees change or, or why but they're getting more uh commercial and and those kind of um structures were getting a bit more constrained as well and the thing is with with engineering or with science or i would say with anything you need space to mess with stuff mm -hmm. and to experiment with stuff um and we can say in art in science in anything you need to experiment and the thing about experiments is you don't necessarily know what the result will be and um, and so he was frustrated as well that the degrees weren't even allowing this kind of space or this or this flexibility and um, so i think it's really sad because as we said learning new stuff is so addictive and it's so amazing and it, it really does frustrate me when when there are these structures that get in the way of that like you don't need to persuade people to study stuff if, if they love it and they're interested in it they will do that and they will stay up late and they'll get up early to, to do that because it's addictive and it's amazing um yeah yeah and you yeah, can't no, go down a very big tangent on that no it's true and i and i go on about, on about it all the time on and off the show but it's it is you know the bureaucracy and the, the customer you know dynamic that these fees have brought around are very destructive to play and experimentation and and you know yeah. the, and as we, you know, it's a cliche, isn't it? But there are, it's the whole thing of there are no failures, only learning experiences. And that's, you know, you have to yeah. go and get a few things wrong and, and take the fear of it not being perfect away before it gets, before, before yeah. it's fun, before, you know, the, the amount of times I spent on the yeah. photocopier just sticking random things on it and going, well, no, what that's going to look like, you know, but you know, I, I wouldn't have been doing that if suddenly I had 27 grand coming out of my account and I was like, oh, you know, I, I need to feel like I'm being professional. It's, it's, so yeah. damaging, but we won't go there today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say that's that's something that that's something that I am enjoying with with coding because for me, at least so far, it's just a case of trying to make something, testing it out, and then trying to figure out why it doesn't work and what you can do to solve the problems. And it's just basically problem solving and often as well it sounds it sounds funny because it's very technical and very kind of mathematic but there's not necessarily one way to solve a problem mm -hmm. and something that i do really like about that community is first of all all the information is online so it's it's very easy to access and that like there are these forums where people help each other like if you have a problem you can put it there and you see all these responses someone's like oh i found a way to fix it like mm -hmm. this and someone goes oh actually i tried to fix it this way and that worked and someone else goes oh well if you do this and this and this you can fix it this way and there's not like one way to do it there mm -hmm. are many different ways to do it and that's really fun to get involved with and also just to 
yeah, there, there are no right answers and no one is going to give you a gold star. So you have to give them to yourself. Mm-hmm. I've been and doing that. Giving and to a degree, that comes, back to, that comes back to language, doesn't it? Whether it's, yeah. you know, there are 10 different ways I could say I could make a point as I tend to, I, I, I usually try and check all 10 of them and ramble on. <laughs> but, but it's, um, you know, it's, so why not embrace that fun side of it, like you say, and, 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 yeah. um, and you know, accept that, you know, a few natives are going to laugh at you and, but hopefully then correct you and be nice about it and tell you where you went wrong. Or, or even just like, for example, so in, in a technical way, there are different natural ways of saying stuff in different languages. So someone that has a different background, we could be talking about the same thing, but they might phrase it in a different way. And that's not wrong. That's quite interesting because they're bringing a different idea. Um, so I have a lot of people that that even are interested in trying to kind of hide that they're a foreigner or trying to do um, accent reduction. Um, and my attitude towards that is always, I care about pronunciation and clear pronunciation because that is important for communication. But you should never be trying to hide um, to hide the like who you are and, and where you're from. And it comes back to what we were talking about before, which is our differences are what make us amazing. And the fact that you are from another country and are doing something in a different language, your whole perspective and your way of thinking, because language is, is so connected to our emotions and our creativity, you bring in something that's so different. And so like that, that, that friend that was nervous about applying for, again, I think it was a master's program, it's about it's not saying you are as good as a native speaker and you and you are fine it's about considering you have something different and it, mm-hmm. and we're not comparing it in this way you have a completely different perspective to someone that grew up in in england or someone that grew up in the us that is fantastic that is interesting that is exciting um so it's not about good like good and bad it's about with all these kind of messy humans and it goes back to the unique and you and 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 being at peace with that and then you will find your place you know yeah yeah and i love it it's it's amazing yeah i'll I'll, I'll never forget once you get away from Sorry, I jumped in the Zoom. I saw Zoom. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember what I was saying even. So I was like, I hope that you're going to interrupt me because I don't know what's going to be at the end of this sentence. I, I know the first time going to London and, you know, and staying in a hostel and and just being, I mean, I've been to university, so I've met a lot of overseas people, but just being crammed in this one hostel with all these new people from all over the world, when I was down there for a very exciting reason, which was running around with my portfolio, it was the, you know, one of the biggest buzzes I've had. And actually me being a Yorkshireman and being in there was awesome. Just like it was for that person who was Australian and could tell me their stories and, you know, and the, and the rest yeah. of it. He was, I loved all of that. So, you know, I certainly think in the terms of the creative industry, it can, it's, you know, it's why diversity is really, really valuable and important because, you know, we all learn from one another and we all and we all have that unique story going on. So by spending time around all those exciting people, what a great buzz and, and what a wonderful way to learn, you know, and not just to validate, you know, it validates your own story because it makes you more unique by being around all them different people. Yeah, yeah. And you realise as well that there's not one model of success. I think that's the, the thing I was I was trapped in at school is going, oh, this is the good way to do stuff. And 
if you do something different, that is bad. Instead of going, there are many different ways of doing something and they are all equally, mm-hmm. equally valid. And at the end of the day, the only person that that is really going to be the, the judge ultimately is, is yourself and how you feel. Yeah. And so you have to make, like going, slipping back to what we said at the start, but like you have to make decisions that fit with how you feel because you have to live with them. Yeah. Like, you, you know, if, if you if you're um, doing things or making decisions, small things or big things in your life based on what someone else thinks of you, it's never going to end up well because no. that's someone else. Like that's someone else. Um, yeah, we, we deal with that enough as teenagers. I think that's what you know. Yeah. That's, a big, that's a big part of high school is to realize that there's a lot of bullshit and and kind of fronting going on. And then yeah. know, hopefully it doesn't take you too long after that to realize that you don't need to do that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. They no. probably don't care that much about you, and and even if they are judging you, yeah. And the sooner you can leave it behind, the, the sooner you find your calling in whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Well, that's absolutely amazing, and I think I think we've covered a hell of a lot of ground there, and I love that. <laughs> so thank you so yeah. much um, for that. So where can people get in touch? I mean, I'm, you know, maybe people want to be taught by you now <laughs> oh my goodness that would be amazing um, I'll just find your illustration as well you know like the, yeah, like... yeah yeah um so the probably the easiest way is, is instagram um so my teaching out on instagram is speak like you speak like you um and there you've got links to to email me or you have links to my website the website is www.nativeenglishfast.com Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's a whole conversation about why it's called that and you can also read that on the website if you're interested in that um, so nativeenglishfast.com uh, for my artwork it's at Coggin Sketchbook so like my name Sarah Coggin Coggin Sketchbook or www.cogginsketchbook.com um, and I'm there I'm hanging out on Instagram and come and talk to me because I like making friends and speaking to new people <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I think it's. I loved it so much. Thank you. My my pleasure. I I think it's going to be a really uh, popular episode because, you know, it's just relevant on so many levels. So thank you for pitching it because, you know, I love that. Like I said to you when you emailed, it's like, you wouldn't believe how few people actually put themselves forward. And and I love it when they do because mm. there's not many that I've said no to. Sometimes, depending where I want to take yeah. the show, it might not be quite right, but I'll always kind of go back and go, what angle can we find? You know, because it yeah. just makes my job easier. I, I, it stops me from having to sit there and go, right, I need to record some episodes. Like, who can I get? There's always, you know, yeah, yeah. it just, when people come forward and go, I'm doing this, this is why it's interesting. Do you fancy covering it? I, I, sometimes I'll say yeah. no, but I, I love it when people do that. And I, I certainly wouldn't have thought to cover this. So thank you. <laughs> oh, no, I, I really um, appreciate it. And I think, like, I love the podcast and I love the range of, of topics that you cover. And when you went down the, the new route and it was for the rugby coach, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so, this is so interesting. I, I love this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think with those kind of things, with, with anything about, about pitching or approaching people, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen maybe is a no, but maybe even if you get a no, you get some feedback yeah. of like, oh, this isn't right because of, of these reasons or actually have you thought about this or, you know, so you're always going to get more information. You can always learn from that as well. So I think that's that's kind of my attitude around it. 
huge thank you to Sarah Coggin and I hope you took as much from that conversation as I did. It certainly made me feel less intimidated about the these kind of ideas that feel like fantasies of getting like a basic grasp on Japanese and going back to Tokyo and Osaka and Kyoto and traveling around and actually knowing what the hell's going on. It's when you think about all the aspects of Japanese culture that we, that we kind of love and pop culture, you know, there are many things, many handles there that Sarah touched upon to grab hold of culturally and, and use those as catalysts for learning a language. I think the term Spanish, German, I love going to Germany and Berlin. Um, it's, you know, it makes total sense. So I'm looking for your thoughts. Get them over at Creative Condition. Sorry, I keep saying that. At Ben Talon Pod. <laughs> Somebody had taken that uh, handle, buggers. Anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, like I said, get your thoughts. Let us know what you're up to. I get, you know, Sarah got in touch with me and asked to be on the show, and I went, yeah, cool. Sounds like you do some really cool stuff. I'm always very willing to hear from you, so don't be too modest. Um, and let me know what you're on with. If it's cool, we'll do it. If not, I'll say maybe later, isn't it? It's not right for now. You know, what's the worst that could happen? So, anyway, I hope you take a lot from that. Thank you very much for listening. Do go and check out the sub supporters of the show at Illustration sorry at we are illustration x over at illustrationx.com awesome illustration and animation agency and the association of illustrators over at the aoi on social media and the aoi.com have a good week i don't have a lot else to say thank you to dirty freud for the music go and check him out at dirty freud we might be doing a bit of a collaboration bit of a spoken word thing going on soon ep it's ridiculous but i'm excited we'll see if it happens Anyway, I'm running out of things to say. I'm, I'm tired after a wonderful chat with Sarah. I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I hope you did too. We've got Matt Essam, creative coach, coming up. We've got Quarantine Portraits, a couple of brothers, who did a wonderful series of hand-painted portraits whilst interviewing creatives at the start of the pandemic over in the States. That's a great project, and we've got that profile coming up. We've got Susan Earlham coming on the show to talk about Earthly Bodies, her debut fiction novel. It's an eco-horror novel, and it's wonderful. And we might even get deep into horror, because I know you guys are into all that sci-fi, like me. Anyway, nice one, guys. Thanks for your ears. Have a great week. 